Welcome to the MCA All-Star Podcast, where we talk about all things operations so you can build the best real estate brokerage in this ever-changing industry. Today, we've got a great interview lined up for you, where we learn from one of the top operational leaders in the game. So break open your notebook, sit back, and enjoy the show. Well, I am really excited because we have the amazing Tiffany Davis, who's here to talk all about indies. And before we get into that, though, Tiffany, um, tell us a little bit about like all the roles that you have, because I know you're MCA, but you also teach some Katie Berry courses. So what are tell us about you? Yeah, so about me, I officially have celebrated seven years at Keller Williams as of Red Day. Um, And so that's exciting. My second day of work was Red Day. And so it always holds a special place. Yeah. My heart. That must Um, have been a really interesting second day of work. Like nobody else has a a second day of work like that. No. And it was also like my MCA because I was hired as an assistant MCA. It was also my MCA's first Red Day, I think, too. Oh, my gosh. Going to like not eight months before. So we really didn't know what we were doing. And we just kind of bebopped around everywhere and I just got a shirt and we, I had no idea what was happening <laughs> yeah. at all. I was just like, what did you what? guys do? Come- what was your red day? This is like, we not were- at all what the episode is about, know, but that's okay. We were working at the low country food bank, which is, I actually like this. We've done that as a part of our red day every day since. And oh, wow. so we were like sorting. I just remember we were sorting cans and no one knew who I was. I was just <laughs> this random, awkward, quiet girl in the background. Like, is this dented enough to be put in like the giveaway bin or do I need to like throw it out? And then there's like cockroaches and I was like, what's happening? (laughs) So that was my second day of work. Awesome. Awesome. And seven, now seven years. Yeah. So I officially counted this last red day as my eighth because, you know, I always just like, I'm always one ahead. And so, yeah, yeah, I love red day for that. Well, not that reason. I love red day all the time anyway, but it kind of is a cool little um, trigger for me on my time with KW. So I was hired as an assistant MCA. Like I said, um, my MCA had been in the role for a few months prior to me. Um, and so he didn't really know closing transactions or anything like that. He was hired to kind of be that operational MCA. Mm. And so when he found himself in a situation where he needed to hire an assistant, three months process of interviewing and the AVA, the old school AVA and all of that, I was hired. And so we became business partners. Um, and I had the opportunity to do that for two and a half years. I loved the assistant MCA role. I think it's probably one of the best things that set me up for success in mm. the MCA role, because I was able to just truly just focus on, you know, transactions and billing and the operation side mm. and was able then to grow into the different other aspects of the MCA role. Mm-hmm. So my MCA was um, Vince Mariani. Some of you may know his name around and he'll come up again in the story. Um, and so he hired me. We got started two and a half years later. He had the opportunity to be investor in multiple market centers. And one of those market centers was our sister market center down the street, like 20 minutes away. And so after two and a half years, I was promoted to MCA in that market center. Um, so him and I kind of became MCA partners in the city um, in a world where prior to that, these market centers didn't always get along. Mm. And so we were kind of trying to unify a little bit more through investor groups and also um, through the leadership team. So I went from being an assistant MCA that was closing 350 transactions a month 
and doing all the billing for like 300 plus agents to a market center of 35 transactions a month and like under a hundred agents. Wow. And so I was set up in a very nice way because I knew the, the pace of it. Mm -hmm. And it was, I distinctly remember there being a full week where I didn't close one transaction. Wow. That <laughs> must've felt weird. It was very weird. However, it did lend well to the cleanup that needed to happen the systems that need to be created. Mm -hmm. Me and the TL at the time were hired on the exact same day and I did not know him. And so it was kind of the perfect storm of, I'm really glad I had that base of knowing, but moving into the MTA role, we were definitely in a turnaround market center. Mm -hmm. So um, I was there for, I've been there now for um, five years, almost, I think at this point. And um, I think this year is going to be my fifth year. And in that time within the first six months of being in the MCA role, the TL left that I joined at the same time. The OP was no longer there. And we hired Vince, my MCA, to be the TL um, in the market center. And, so, yeah. and we had a new OP. And so now all three of us have been together for almost four years. Wow. So that's kind of the gist. So that's me in a nutshell. So now I've been in the West Ashley Market Center for the past, like I said, five years. In November of 2021, we were able to then um, join forces and become the unified leadership team of not only our West Ashley location, our Mount Pleasant location. So the market center that Vince and I came from, we are now TL and o our MCA over those as well with our same OP. So mm -hmm. we have those two locations. And then um, in November of 2021, I was able to become an MCA support rep um, where I get to do transmittal help. I answer tickets and I get to teach protect your profit once a month for KWBU. So awesome. that's a little bit about me. Yeah, I love it. Um, so there's a, there's a lot that I know we could go into. And right. uh, the, the reason that I, I don't want to say the reason that I reached out to you, but one of the main topics that I feel like is so relevant today um, that a lot of people have questions around is is the one of indies. So uh, you guys have had some success there. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, we've had really good success there. One thing that I love in my partnership with Vince is we aren't the smartest people in the room, but we will try to do this as simple as possible and most efficiently. <laughs> and what we found is when he started recruiting, it was what would it look like to have one appointment and get 10 agents? Mm. Or what would it look like to do one appointment and get a brokerage. Um, and one of the things that opened up for us a lot in most recent years is how K Keller Williams kind of took down the red tape on building indies and like mm. the powered by Keller Williams model and all of that stuff. And so we kind of, we took great advantage of it. Um, when Vin started as a TL and we were, started working together, I mean, we were at 81 agents, like I said, 35 transactions, and we had zero profit share. So we mm. had to recruit. The only way to survive was recruiting. And so we started with regular recruiting and all of that stuff for about the first year. And then I remember distinctly February of 2020, right before the world shut down, we went to family reunion and we brought in an indie um, recruit. And it was like this big team that would have doubled our production and doubled our uh, transaction count, all of this stuff. And we had no, like we still were not profit sharing. We had no money. And so my OP was a little nervous yeah. and we definitely decided to like take the risk, pay for their flights, pay for their hotel, pay for everything because we knew 
we wanted to be in business with them. And so we invited them to come to family reunion. Um, and they had been with KW before, so they at least knew a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, but this was really just kind of the start of the first big risky move. Mm. Um, fast forward to a month after family reunion, they told us they will not be joining us. Oh, no. We did not um, get them. And so it was kind of disheartening, but we also knew like being in business with them could be a long-term play. And so we made sure we were still sending them recruits. They were sending us recruits. Mm. They had a great business model that just we didn't have in our market center um, when it came to teams and their leads and all of that mm. stuff. And so we still sent people to them. They sent people to us. We were in great relationship with them, tons of common friends. Um, and so that kind of went on for a while. Um, but we still knew like this was the model we wanted to go to, right? Like we needed to break into different areas mm -hmm. by finding these influential leaders and people that were needing help and wanted to be a part of KW, but maybe a different, unique proposition than we always had. Um, so fast forward to, you know, six months later, I'm trying to get my timelines right too. So February of 2020, they come to family reunion. The world shuts down in March. By the end of 2020, we're now in conversation with a completely different person in Somerville, South Carolina. And she okay. is not a team. She's a mega agent, but she really wanted to bring Keller Williams to Somerville. It had mm. never been in Somerville, Somerville, Somerville before. We've been we've been talking about it with all of our agents, getting out there. Um, it's one of the fastest growing cities in South Carolina and the United States. And so we were able to partner with her. And so our first indie was really December, 2020, January, 2021, we launched our KW key mega agent office. Mm. And so that became um, a hub for her and her team, as well as independent agents throughout the world. Awesome. That area. So that okay. was exciting. So it took, so the moral of this story is it took a long time. Yeah. I was going to ask. So what you said that was, Okay, that our was May. First invite, yeah, our first invite for that first indie was January, February of 2020. And it was a year before we were getting our first indie. Okay. But it was a completely different one. So talk to me about that. Like what, um, from 2020 until a year later, right? Like, was that fine tuning the messaging? Like, you know, I, I you know, it sounds like you guys you entered into different conversations with different people and even in different locations. So was that a strategy that you had where you just were like, Hey, we're going to run this play and here it is. Like, what was that? What? Um, I think it was just more like every day my TL woke up and had more conversations with top agents. He hmm. actually got this referral for this independent um, agent from a mortgage partner that we had. So this was someone that was like a friend of his in the mortgage business. And this guy sent this name off and was like, Hey, you should call this person if this is something you're looking at doing. So it was really just kind of sharing the story of the success and failure of, you know, our first experience mm -hmm. where we were like, Hey, this is a, it was kind of our first trial run. Let's see. We were kind of making it up as we go. And yet we saw that the potential was still there. It wasn't a failed mission. It was just a not yet. Mm. Um, and so it just continued to be more conversations with top agents and kind of being okay with the unknown of what the needs are um, and gotcha. what it can look like. Yeah. So you, you were, you know, your, your team, you're open to, Hey, 
who are the top people we're, we're open to the conversation whatever that looks like yep um was that like you know i heard you mention hey are we we have this mindset of how do we go on one appointment and get 10 agents is that would you say that's sort of the the driving piece to this like when you're you know when you're either in your huddles or how does that how would you say that manifests yeah at that time it was i mean we were in the middle of 2020 and so having appointments was getting really exhausting um because everyone was scared yet there were a lot of people that were looking for more training and support that maybe their brokerage at that time wasn't providing because they were shutting down and they didn't have they didn't go virtual to zoom like we went we went virtual to zoom like two weeks before in South Carolina got shut down just because I was more of a, Hey, let's get in front of this rather than be reacting and doing it when they tell us to let's start getting on zoom now. So people can do this comfortably. And so we saw a lot of movement in that year because of just what brokerages reacted quickly and like adjusted to continue bringing value and what um, brokerages kind of like really pumped the brakes and kind of stopped doing things until they could wait and see. Mm. Um, and my TL moves fast and I am not a move fast person yet. What yeah. I've known from working with him, it's, it's like a, it's a, okay, let me figure out how all of those things can go wrong. And how can, how can we do the thing you want to do while building a little bit more of the plane than mm. just like the propellers, because he would be like, let's sign everyone, do it. We'll figure it out once they're joining. And it was kind of more of a, let's find a balance of, let's not just like put the cart before the horse. However, it was a full team like mindset of how do we recruit well in this time? Yeah. And my TL was like, I don't want to keep doing like 40 appointments and chasing people down and doing all of that stuff. We had a small team. We were a small market center. We were trying to get out of debt. And, you know, he had just spent the last year just recruiting R2 after R2 in that two to three million game. Mm -hmm. So he was really kind of refined his conversations to kind of up his game to now let's, let's look at those bigger teams if we have that freedom too. Gotcha. Okay. So that's, that's kind of how you, you know, as a team, how you got started. I want to talk to you a little bit more about, you know, your role in the indie or the, you know, the, the mega agent conversation. So Obviously, this is something like you said, hey, you know, he he's moving fast, he's setting appointments, he's having conversations, and you're the one who's kind of figuring out, okay, how are we going to make this work? Talk to us a little bit more about that. What specifically are you doing, either in partnership with your team leader, or, you know, maybe on, uh, on the back end of things? Like, what does that look like? So the first round we did it, we didn't do anything. We did not many things correctly. So I'll kind of also talk to how we've refined it now. Yeah. Because a lot of it in the first go around was he just kind of threw things at a wall and we made it happen. And then I was cleaning up on the back end. As far as like, like offers, you mean like he did the offers all himself. He has the MCA mind. And so when it came to what we were offering, he kind of made a deal of there's we've, we've kind of figured it out now. There's definitely pillars that you got to go through of figuring out what the needs of the mega agent or the team wants. And so now we've been able to refine that a little bit better so we can talk about that. But in that moment, it was more of just like, all right, if you pay for the rent, we'll pay for these utilities. We'll do the upkeep. We'll pay for this. And then we kind of got ourselves in a situation where it was Mm -hmm. like, there was a lot of 
unclarity of what is happening. Got it. And then it was kind of also finding the tension of what does she want it to look like because it's her office versus what are we willing to pay for because we're a profit sharing company. Got it. And so what we've found now is Vince is really good at the conversations, getting them into it. But when it comes to the business meeting and like really refining details, I'm now brought into the room for just as a listening ear. Okay. I'm not going to be a person that I don't want to burst his bubble, which is my natural tendency. <laughs> yeah. to say all the things that they, we can't do. And just yet, to burst his bubble, right? Just to burst his yeah. bubble, not yeah. the agents, but more of I'm in the room now to kind of listen to what is being promised. What are we talking about? And kind of be a sounding board for him on what's doable and what's not. Okay. Um, and, and really just be that extra ear because a lot of times he would say things and not necessarily have it written down because it was just mm. happening in conversation naturally, but then we were reacting rather being proactive. And so that's definitely a thing we've refined more of being business partners in that conversation of he takes the lead. He has that business mindset. He creates a perform pro forma for what that business model looks like based on his consulting conversations, but then bringing in me or our director of agent services for the, how do we actually implement this for mm -hmm. the betterment of that team? becomes my role. And I do a ton of the backend tracking based on whatever agreement was made at that time. Okay. So you said you're also, you know, in those appointments, is there a certain stage where you're brought in or is that just like from day one, we're going to meet? And we just, no, we not from day one. I'm usually a part of the conversation once it's like, okay, we're going to move forward with this, but let's iron out some of the offer letter. Like the offer letters you usually probably already sent. And I'm kind of going in there of that we have some questions about the offer letter, what that looks like. We want to mm -hmm. do some rebuttal or um, are we doing a team cap? How does that work? Are we doing a cap management? Are we sharing some of the revenue? What that looks like? Once the offer sent out in our experience, now that's kind of where I step in. And now I'm a part of that conversation with him and we're kind of going through the negotiation of that. Got it. Okay. So once the offer letter is sent out, you're brought in. Um, and does that happen like at the next meeting or do you and Vince talk about it before the next meeting? What is that like? It just happens at the next meeting. I can see the offer letter and read it. Um, okay. It's more of just, it's, I'm just in there as that second person to listen out and kind of, I'm not really talking a ton in the offer letter, that next conversation. It's really just letting them go, but I'm going to be the one implementing the okay. offer letter. So instead of just not being there and him telling me later, I just walk in and be a part of that. Have you ever had something come up where, you know, he'll say something and you're just like, we cannot do that. Like that is not, <laughs> yes. does that ever happen? Yeah. <laughs> All the time. What do you do when that happens? Um, you know, well, there is one of the things that we have learned that we have to work on is clear and proactive communication. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times it was in most of the experiences, it's he's kind of made a decision or he said something. And then when they follow up on it, it was like, how are we going to make that happen? It's like, oh, I don't know. We can't figure that out. And then we're either trying to figure out what is the win-win or we're having the conversation with the, them again. There hasn't uh, been anything crazy that we really can't do. It's just a matter of like, what is, what did all the parties actually hear, right? Mm -hmm. Like, did, did they actually promise that we were going to buy all new furniture for the office? Or did he kind of just blow that off a little bit 
because they really were asking for something else and they kind of wanted something like there's always mm. something deeper than the thing they're asking for. Gotcha. Um, and so focusing on what that motivation is or what the win-win is, Vince is really good at like chatting with people after the fact, if there is a miscommunication on something they said versus what we can or cannot do, there's always uh, still a solution for something we've overpromised. Maybe. Gotcha. <laughs> so it sounds like, you know, it's, Hey, um, you know, whatever comes up in the meeting where if there's something that we just can't do, are you addressing that in the meeting or is that more of a follow-up afterwards? Yeah, we've gotten a lot better at like in that offer letter meeting. If there is something that we can discuss, I will interject and be like, yeah, yeah we'll definitely talk about that. And that he knows okay. that's a code word for me. Um, we haven't worked that out yet. Or, and he'll sometimes look at me and be like, Tiffany, what do you think? And I'm like, yeah, let me write that down. Well, let's chat about a few other things. And like, we kind of know what we're saying to each Got other. It. And so okay. having those, having those clues, because there's also some things that's like, it's just not a battle to face. Like if they really want hundred dollars a month for cleaners, like, yeah, we'll say yes to hundred dollars a month for the office cleaners to keep the same, you know, but the big things about like office furniture or logos or like, hey, we want a bunch of pictures on the wall. And it's like, okay, but it's kind of a good office already. Like, do we need that right now? Or what is the plan yeah. for the build out of that? A lot of it, it gets deferred to what is immediate that's the need and what you want to discuss now. And what are things that we can kind of build out in the long run and kind of getting, we go to that route more of getting their clarity on that. Like, what do they want the build out to be immediate? What's what's important for the the document to be signed today mm. and what is a desire of what they want to build out in the growth of these things and that's what gotcha. i'm taking notes on a lot of the time gotcha okay yeah and i i love what you shared just around those those little that little dialogue it's not about you know uh, you guys are a team when you're doing it right and so mm -hmm. it's not about the other person says something that's wrong or or you know us being right it's really more about um, let's make sure we're in alignment on it. And at the end of the day, we can we can figure out what's going to make sense, but we're going to do that together and we're not going to do that in front of the indie necessarily. Correct. So, and okay. we have to trust each other. Like we know each other's personalities really well. And that's not just because of our long-term relationship, but it's also just kind of because we've, we're so in tune with our team. Because I also know how my OP thinks and what he's going to react. Like it's my job. I see it as my job as the MCA to kind of know my people and know who I'm protecting in that room. I'm in charge of protecting the OP. I'm in charge of protecting the owners. Um, my TL is in charge of recruiting and consulting and leading. And so I want him to do all those things. And yet he has to trust me to rein him in a little bit, but he also has to trust me to give him a little bit more rope than maybe naturally I would give so that he can kind of be creative. And then he also has to trust me that I'm thinking through all the ways that this could go wrong. And if I am saying something, it's because we're, we're a team and we're working together. I'm not trying to stop him. I'm just trying to protect the whole business. And so having those, like, they don't need to see us have those conversations at the table. They need us to be a team going into it and having each other's back and knowing we're in partnership because we want to be in partnership with them too. Yeah. Something that you said really stood out to me and it, it made me think about, you know, in a lot of these conversations and you, you mentioned this before, of like sometimes there's 
sometimes there's tracking that has to happen beyond what our system was designed to do. Um, and yet something you said was my job is to protect the owners is protect, uh, to protect the OP and the market center. And yet some of those things are going to take more time. So how do you reconcile that? You know, what's your mindset around some of those things where you're like, this is going to take, you know, maybe a lot of work, you know, administratively to do. How do you, how do you approach that? Um, I think it goes back to that same mindset of it's easier to have one appointment and bring on 10 people than to bring on, have 10 appointments and have 10 people. I think as MCAs, we get really bogged down in the extra work that it creates. And I'm seeing it as going, what does it look like to bring for the first one that said no to us, which spoiler alert, they came back to us a year and a half later. So they oh, are good. one part of these. So awesome. we can get there. But that was a team of like 20 something people. And yeah, that made a lot of work for onboarding. That made a lot of work for, you know, managing how we do all of their operation stuff. Also, when we communicate, we communicate with one or two people and they disseminate the information to 20 people. So yeah, we're like reaching their team members, but we also have now leveraged that team and bringing on that indie to create a culture that we are in a win-win with. And now it's not like a, we're having to do all that extra work for 20 people. So yeah, I'm doing a little bit more work on the back end, but my little extra work on the back end is impacting a big portion of my market center. And so would I, would I, isn't that easier for me as a MCA to kind of make a great experience for the team and hit 20 people or do I want to recruit $24 million cappers and now I have to meet all of their needs because maybe they have an admin, maybe they don't. Right. Um, just the leverage that a team provides or a mega agent office provides because of their business mindset. For me, I would take I would take indies all day rather than recruiting like two or three, not smaller cappers. I'll take those too. Trust me, we'll take any recruit that comes our way. Um, yeah. Knowing that a little bit of extra work really makes a huge impact because of what it's done for our business. I mean, when I tell you like, this team, that indie that said no to us, that was going to double our business. By the time they came, they brought a third of our business. Wow. And so like talking to one person, getting in a room with all of their team, having them sign paperwork all at the same time. Yeah. It was maybe tedious for 48 hours and we grossed 20 that month. Yeah. So I'm okay with that for sure. Yeah. I love that. What I'm, what I'm hearing is it, it sometimes doesn't feel scalable when you think about that, you know, that additional work. And the reality is it, it is because it's le- like you're bringing on that team as leverage and the time that it's going to take, like you said, to communicate with that group or that office is going to be less than if you had brought on 20 individual agents. Yeah, you're not um, creating the individual experience for each person on that team, especially if you're bringing on a indie, like a whole brokerage or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, you're really just creating, you're matching the experience that they give for their team. Cause what we yeah. don't ever want to do is like be less of an experience than they already had when bringing them on. Like we want to match and go greater than the experience that they're already having. So if they have yeah. admin that they talk to, we don't need to fight with the admin on that team. We just need to utilize the admin on the team and get our ego out of it. I think that was one thing we struggled with is we're like, they won't let us talk to the agents. They making, they're making us go through their admin. And I was like, Mm. because they pay their admin and their team trusts their admin. So 
instead of us getting our ego involved and being like, no, you, you have to listen to us like team members, we kind of embrace the whole, no, let's actually talk to the admins, use their team because they're going to be the ones that know how to create that experience. Just like if we were getting someone wanting to talk to us, we would want them talking to me and my director of agent services, as opposed to going to all of our individual agents separately. I love that. What was that like? Um, you know, I want to go back to when, when you talked about your, your team leader will bring you into some of these conversations. Was that weird? <laughs> Did that, was that like scary to think about like, Hey, I'm going to be in a recruiting appointment with an indie. Was that weird? Um, no, because I think for me, I wanted to be in the meeting more than I didn't want to be in the meeting. It was easier for us as a team. And it that was a learning curve, I think, on him and I both is to say I needed him to trust me that I wasn't going to just be in the meeting and interrupting or being unprofessional or anything like that. And I don't think he questioned that about me. It was just more of like, it's easier to coordinate him and his life and go do the meeting and then come tell me what to do. Mm -hmm. And really for me, it was showing him, Hey, this is the value that I'm going to bring. If I come into the meeting, can I come in here? Can I just sit in the background? Can I just take notes on what you're saying? If you need me, I'll talk. But for the most part, I'm going to keep quiet. And knowing that I was earning the right to be in that meeting, those meetings in the future. Um, And also trusting that if I wasn't invited to those meetings, it's not because of like him not seeing the value. It was me trusting him that it wasn't the right meeting yet for me to be a part of. Because I also don't want my time to be wasted. I don't want to be a part of every meeting that I'm not going to be utilized in. Totally. Making sure we knew like once we got to a certain point, what is that point that we need to bring And if it's not me or if it's because of the value piece that the agent needs, is it our director of agent service because they really care about the experience and the logos and the look like that's not me. I'm not going to be that person that maybe that's, you know, my counterpart in our director of agent services. But if it's really like the business and who's tracking, how are we getting money operational? Like I'm going to be taking over all the operational costs of this brokerage, like those are the conversations I want to be involved in so that they know who I am and they trust me to give me the information. And it also helps. I think one thing my team leader learned is getting more people involved in the recruiting process makes it so that he's not the only person once they've joined mm-hmm. that they feel connected to. And that's been another part of the learning curve that we've had is he's now, he trusts himself and his knowledge and the team because we've been together for so long that bringing more people along the way of the process now connects them to more people, which means he's not the only value that they feel connected to upon signing. I love that. Yeah. What a, what a great, uh, I guess, aha in that. Mm -hmm. Um, so, okay. So you're, you're in those meetings at a certain point. Is there anything that you're, I mean, aside from you're listening for the operations, um, I guess what I'm wondering is, you know, if if I'm listening to this right now and I've never done one of these, what's the starting point? Do you have like an agenda or like a bullet point that you're like, hey, I go in, these are the things I'm listening for? Like, how would someone get started doing this with their team leader? Yeah, I think for me, The best piece of advice I can give is really looking at, okay, what are the needs of the indie or the mega agent, whatever you're doing, right? Like, because there's some things that 
if we jump too closely to we're going to be taking on all the operational costs, we can't afford it, so we can't do the deal. Like that's not even where the the deal begins. The mm. conversation truly begins when we talk about what we've what we've learned over the four we've done is, you know, what is it that the agent is looking for? Are they actually looking to be an independent agent with bringing in recruits into their building? Or do they want the team bridge model? Like both of those things are the same. We run we run all of our transactions and billing and everything the same for either of those models. So it's not anything complicated. I'm just kind of listening for what is mm. what is their desire for it to be perceived as so that we can kind of align our systems on the back end with what they want to feel and what they want their brokerage or location to be. The second gotcha. thing is really where it goes into the brokerage services. Like if the indie wants to hold on to their own brokerage services, like they're going to be doing all the compliance themselves. Mm. And that's a whole different other ball game. If they want to be doing the brokerage services through the market center, because that's the leverage piece they want. Well, now that comes into my expertise of how have they been doing it versus how are we doing it and creating the game plan of how do we train them to get into our compliance world. Gotcha. And for us, it's teaching them command, teaching them the paperwork, all of that stuff. If they are wanting our brokerage services, we don't, I don't create a bunch of special systems to let them kind of do whatever they want. If they want our brokerage services, well, here's, here's the process. And I'm a part of explaining that to them. Got it. And then that's where it goes into the operational costs. Like at that point, it's, are we taking on the operational costs or are we not? Because really that's where the MCA's world lives is, am I paying, am I now going to be taking over rent, um, electric internet, all of that stuff. That's where if we are like, I have to make that seamless and feel great and, make sure all the bills are paid, make sure I'm protecting our owner profits and making sure the deal is actually a win-win for both parties, for, mm. for the team or the independent and for our market center to make sure we can actually afford this type of deal. Gotcha. So it seems like, you know, you're going into it really with this thought process of, you know, hearing it from that operations mindset. I, I know you said that already, it, it sounds silly, yet I, I can 100% see the value of your team leaders going into it, making sure like, hey, how do we how do we get this deal closed, right? Like, how do we make yeah. this a win-win? And you're going into it again saying like, okay, I, I run all these systems and operations at the market center. So if we're going to do that for this other indie, how would we do that? Mm -hmm. Which is not at all what your team leader is thinking about. So it makes complete sense. Again, just going, okay, you've got that operations. Not that, not that Vince doesn't have the operations mind, but it's just, that's not what he's there for. He shouldn't have to be. It takes, it takes mm -hmm. that off of his plate. Right. Yeah. Uh, and that's where I, when I went to him and said, like, can I be in this meeting? It was, I want you to be able to focus on the business side, the thinking through all of that. And just let me, because my answer, if if they sign on to the dotted line, the answer is yes. It's just on me to figure out how to get it done. Yeah. The efficiency of me have, getting it done has nothing to do with the, the brokerage or the indie or anybody else. It has to do with me. Like, yeah. I, they don't need to know the extra work it's going to be put on me. The extra work it's put on me is job security, right? Yeah. It's for me and my team to figure out. It's for meet like that's the whole part of the mca role in the operations like bringing on you know a 
20 person team or a $150 million volume team, like all of that just makes everybody's life better. You get more money, more profit, more profit mm -hmm. share. All of these things really work. It's not my job in that meeting to stop my TL from doing whatever he wants. He makes his promises. I'm just in there in the room to hear what is being said so mm -hmm. that I can implement. I'm just the implementer. I don't have to stop him. I don't have to interrupt him. And a lot of times I don't have to tell him like that won't work because it probably will work. It's just a matter of how. Got it. I love that. Is there anything that you, you know, what, what's the conversation around, you know, what we give versus what we get in return, like dollar wise, is that, is that you as a part of that conversation or is that your team leader is the one driving that? Um, I am very blessed with a team leader. That's really good at that stuff. Um, same with my OP very, all of us think very financially and logically. And so it, it is a partnership in that space. I think one of the things it's been really cool. Like we've even said no to deals because they weren't a win-win. We think they're going to go one way because a lot of times what we're finding, especially in 2023 is if we're getting calls from Indies, it's because they're broke. Hmm. Right. Or they're just struggling and they're not sure, like they wanted to go this independent route and it's just not what it's cracked up to be to, for the E&O insurance, for business license, for all the operational things that us as MCAs know are a part of the business that maybe yeah. a real estate agent opening up their own brokerage didn't know. Um, and so they're looking for how can they be a brokerage, but then have the support. And yet it is still our responsibility to make sure we know that what got them into these financial situations where they are looking for leverage does not mean we need to take that on. Mm. So having clear and upfront communication of, Hey, you came to us because you want this. Now we need to explain to you our, our 25 economic fundamentals, right? Yeah. We, we don't have frills and all of that crazy stuff. We run a well-classed oiled, like, machine like we want to be high class we want to be top notch yeah. but we're not doing a bunch of like extra parties and red black tie events necessarily in our world um, because we're protecting profit share and what that looks like to them so it really is for us also making sure that it is going to be a win-win because what we don't want to do is just because they want to join kw doesn't mean we need to take on all the debt or expense or the bad business decisions or mm. good business decisions really that they've been doing in their tenure. And so just That's making it. sure we analyze all of that before we really sign on the dotted line. Is there, you know, based on what, what conversations y'all are having, is there a model or a, I guess, a framework that you feel like nine times out of 10, this is the win-win that, that Indies or, or that these, these offices are looking for? Um, I don't think there's one thing. I think there's, it's usually either they want their location. So we've seen a bunch where it's like we have a, a a mega agent that really wants the location and she wants to bring KW to that location. Mm. And that's been a big part. Or it's been teams like the big team that joined us, um, Chucktown, they wanted expansion. So they were able to partner with KW and now they're in four four or five locations across South Carolina mm. without the brick and mortar expense that would have happened without us. Got it. For other people, it might be revenue share. Because we have, um, they want to, they want to be a part. They wanted to do their own brokerage. They still want their own location, but they don't want the operational expenses. But they want to bring their people in under us 
and mm-hmm. let's share the profit because of the growth in that area. Got it. So we have seen that too. So it's really based on like what the motivation is yeah. for the person. And it's just like recruiting a capper, right? There's usually time. Um, they either want time back or they want more money is really what all of those things fall into. The same thing happens for a team or a mega agent that wants to do a brokerage. It's just finding what their motivation is and creating it through one of the paths. That we I love that. You know, hearing you say that, it just, it, it makes it sound so simple. It's like time or money. Why are we, why are, why we, are we not like going after some of these bigger fish? Well, we also have an indie that is signing officially today. Um, we had talked to him years ago and he's actually shutting down his brokerage. So we mm-hmm. talked about what does it look like to take on those expenses and he's he's not, he doesn't want to. So we're actually just going to shut, he's going to shut down that brokerage and mm-hmm. he's going to bring in nine individual agents and we're using him as a piece to bring those people in from his brokerage. And now we're going to get nine R2s to just join in our market center because when we actually looked at what is the performa or what is the expenses, the cost to keep that location, what is the growth rate in that area? Is there a need for it to be physically located there? It all came down to no. And that wasn't his motivation. His motivation wasn't to have an individual space in Hanahan. His his motivation was he wanted to be a part of the systems and models of KW. And that, then it was kind of what's in it for me if I bring these nine people over in my brokerage. Mm-hmm. And then we had that conversation. And now it's looking like we're doing a revenue share for their company dollar. Of, okay, because you brought these people over and that's, mm-hmm. you know, it's like a lead, right? Yeah. Like on a team, if you give a lead, you also give a percentage back to the Rainmaker. For us, we got a lead for eight other agents from this Rainmaker. So we're paying yeah. a little bit for it for that company dollar increase and kind of strategizing it that way as well. Yeah. So I love, uh, I love how you share that too, right? So, um, and if you don't mind, like, let's go into that a little bit because yeah. what I'm hearing you say are things like revenue share. I'm going like, well, we're a profit sharing company. Like, maybe she just used the wrong word. And it, I don't think you did. Like, no. So what I'm hearing in this is that you guys think a little bit outside of the box and how you're structuring some of these deals um, to either make it that win-win for the rainmaker or or for the mega agent. So tell us more about. I guess, you know, what are some of the the deals that you've seen? And, you know, if you can't give specifics, you don't have to, but how do you, how do you come up with some of these ways that you're structuring the deals to make it that win-win? Yeah. So, it ha- I mean, it has to be a win-win, right? Like that's one of our pieces. It's win-win or no deal. And so you have to answer the question, what's in it for them to join KW? It's not just culture. Like it's, it's not. And because culture can mean Culture could mean money, money, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some people, what does that look like? And so it really is what is in it for them. And so we've structured several different deals. We've um, done things where we pay for all of the operating expenses. And so we share back maybe a smaller percentage of company dollar mm. for the people in that brokerage that join that brokerage that they help recruit. Um, we've done things like also for our teams, our teams that join as a mega agent, like a team bridge type mega agent office, mm-hmm. they're on a team cap. And so we're re- revenue sharing, but it's really like they're on a team cap, just like any team in our office that has hits their certain criteria. 
they're at a $40,000 cap and we reimburse over that amount mm. up to 80% of the deal so that we can help pay for profit share. And that goes so, to the Rainmaker? And it goes to the team. Okay. Yeah. So our Chucktown team that we joined, like they joined, they're on a $40,000 team cap, like all the other teams in our company have the opportunity to be on. Anything above that, we get reimbursed back to the team. So that helps them. And now they do that in all their expansion locations too. It's a value proposition that is offered to everybody. And it was important for us to give. It's just a part of the indie conversation now too, because they're a team and they just, and they keep they actually pay for all their overhead. They pay for their rent. They they have all the costs mm-hmm. for their expense. We just take on brokerage service and they get their um, company dollar over the team cap. And that's, I just want to make sure I'm clarifying, right? Because, so you're yeah. saying anything over that, who, who would be paying over that? So they, because they have team members, they've got like 20 team members. So I actually have a spreadsheet where it's, all right, who are the, people that they get the 40,000, right? So it's a, a cap. Our cap is 15,000. And mm-hmm. then our buyer's agent's cap is 5,000. However, okay. because we want to protect profit share, we collect company dollar on every single agent on their team because it matters that we collect that company dollar so that the rainmaker also gets profit share off of their team. Um, we don't want to just like not receive company dollar. So what we do is we receive the company dollar from everybody else and then anybody else over that 40000 once we've collected that, we repay it at the end of each month. So every month they're getting a company dollar payback for the amount over their team cap. Got it. So so in that particular case, you have, if just to make sure I heard correctly, so you mm-hmm. have Rainmaker has a cap. Everybody mm-hmm. else on the team has a lower cap. Yep. The team has, you know, a bigger, like the team cap. And then as they're closing deals, as you're collecting company dollar, you're going to collect company dollar from everybody respective to their individual cap, but you're also keeping track of the overall team cap. And then when it goes over that, anything else gets redistributed. Okay. Who does that go to? That just goes to like the team, like who do you make the checkout to when they- The Rainmaker, the team. So it's 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 just like it's going back to the Rainmaker because they're the ones- um, benefiting just like we would do in an individual, the rainmaker gets the team cap overage, and they're also the ones taking on the um, all the costs for the their building and stuff to have their separate mm-hmm. location. So, yeah, gotcha. And you said that was your your team leader, your OP, who determines what what that ultimate team cap is going to be, or that's just something that's set. According that's to our standard team okay. cap for everybody. So anybody that has more than, because it's 15,000 and then you still got 20, so more than five buyer's agents and they hit, hit certain production metrics, mm-hmm. they qualify to be on that team cap. That's in our policy and guidelines manual that people sign upon sign on. Everyone knows about it. It's not like a special deal we created for this mega agent office. It's, gotcha. it's a value proposition of our organization. And so- because they want to have their own organization off that, they still get to be a part of that. And so we do that there. The other models that we have run to is if it's a mega agent or, so we have two of these models where it's a team or a smaller team that have a physical location and they can allow other agents to join the mm. market center or their, not their market center, they're like licensed hub area some have office spaces some are just drop-in spaces but they want to hang their license on that llr office 
that's still a part of our market center, um, they get a portion of the company dollar earned for those agents too. Basically mm -hmm. for under the same guise of you as a mega agent leader are in that Somerville location. You are in that next end location. You bringing on people to join that brokerage and build the company dollar. And it's kind of like a business center of yeah. sorts. So it's like, because you've brought them into that world, we will pay you back a little bit of the company dollar that we collect from them because using you and your time and your space and your, honestly, like they've been trailblazers with us to create yeah. that opportunity for us to get into that location. We're going to now reimburse some of that company dollar to you all because you have helped us grow. So it doesn't include KW transfer. So if you have a bunch of KW agents that live up there that have been a part of our world and transfer up there, we do have a caveat that that's not included, but these are for new right. recruits that because, because they partnered with us to open a new physical location, um, they also get a partnership in financial negotiations when it comes to the growth of that area too. I love that. That's so, I mean, it's, it's, genius really um but it is i mean that's that's so that's what you're yeah. describing as the revenue share yeah right? so that's our it's revenue share dollar. it's just when and it's and it's when the company dollar comes in just like bonuses right like we only pay it out in the month that it's earned so okay. we're not it's still it's affecting profit share sort of but not necessarily it's still a one-to-one -one. so we're receiving the company dollar we're mm. paying a portion of it back in the same month so we're making sure at the end of the month we're tracking everything that we collect and um, booking those payments out. Right. So if, if you want to go into MCA talk, that's what we're doing. We're yeah. at the end of every month, you know, I have a reoccurring transaction that I've done my spreadsheet. I've added up all the numbers and making sure it's accurate. I check it weekly, verify it monthly, and then we're sending that money so that when we send our deposits each month, they're getting, they're getting a monthly paycheck. Gotcha. And those are, and those are, would you say those are like profitable? Yeah. I, I mean, offices. They have to be. They yeah. have to be, or else, you know. And so that's the other thing we check. Like if we're if we're handling their expenses on that same sheet, I'm tracking all of their expenses mm. and how much money is out because I want them to see it too. Yeah. And it's something that they get shared with and all of that stuff. So we're looking at it, tracking what's our company dollar what are we netting as a company and company dollar from them what are they getting in company dollar payback and then also what are the expenses that we're paying for that brokerage yeah um, because if we're not growing in all of those locations then what are we what are we doing yeah i love that uh i feel like i could pick your brain all day around this stuff it's um, it's an interesting it's an interesting world and it's a very scary world for an MCA. Yeah. <laughs> and so I always just want to make sure I say in this conversation of like, it's really, it's not as, it was very scary for me at the beginning and we're running four different models for four different indies mm -hmm. and it's not hard. It's just a matter of making sure we're tracking properly and we're accurate. And that's our job in everything we're doing. So it's not anything different. It's just adding on a little bit more but we're making a bigger impact because we've gone from one location. Like I said, when Vince started 82 agents, one location, we are now at seven locations wow. in the tri-county area because we also took on another market center that had a business center. Mm. So in four years, going from one to seven physical locations feels very overwhelming, 
but it's just a matter of having standards and practices of what you can and cannot do as a team. And how, how often are you saying yes? And like, yeah. yes, we can do that. And here are going to, here's going to be the policies, the stipulations and the things that are going to make this doable so that we can scale it to the level we want to scale it to. I love it. Awesome. Um, well, so, okay. This time went by really fast <laughs> and I want to respect your time. Um, so give us your closing thoughts, right? Like, is there, what did we not talk about or what's the last piece of advice that you would give anybody listening in on this, this conversation around Indies or, or mega agent offices? Um, my last piece of advice and my biggest, our biggest learning curve happened in the last three or four months. And it was really the, when you start doing this, the vision casting of the first one feels very um, siloed because it's the only one you have. And what we found is as we kept building out more, what we didn't want to happen was the vision of the organization and all these locations changed based on whoever we were talking to. Mm -hmm. And so, and yet that's what it felt like for maybe the first one, right? Because we were like in the simplest way of, for example, a name. So in the first one, we were like, okay, we're going to name it KW Key. And then that's going to be the name that we take to all the locations as we grow and we build because people want a centralized name. And that's that's the route we're going to go. Well, come the fourth one. And that's not actually what we've learned over the past two and a half years is what is important to our area. Not saying not every area, but to our area, yeah. our indies actually wanted to be able to name based on their location hmm. and what was important to them. They didn't want a standard, like just a random name and then add a tagline and powered by KW. They wanted to be able to be a part of creating their unique identity in their office based on their location and who they're impacting. And it's just a tiny little thing, yeah. but it was a big change in the vision. And so making sure we stay on top of things and cr we create systems for what is the bigger vision of Keller Williams Charleston? And then what are the things that we're going to kind of cast differently and making sure that every time we add on a different location, we're still doing it under the same um, vision that all of the other partners are operating. Cause these are all our business partners, like four yeah. locations, four different business partners. They're all 30 minutes away from each other. So they're all kind of doing business with each other yeah. too. And so we don't want to step on toes. And we have to also value all these conversations as very, very important because avoiding yeah. the conversations or us putting value on it of, oh, it's not a big deal. So it's fine. It might be a big deal. And so making sure we're in constant communication with all of our partners and casting the vision often and regularly in a clear manner is very important because of the people that are involved. I love that. So I would. So I would, I would definitely say that and just having, having your systems and standards and everybody knowing them, but when there is a problem addressing it pretty quickly and not avoiding it. <laughs> I think that's great advice. Yeah. yeah. Well, good. Um, well, thank you so much, Tiffany. Like I said, I could probably talk to you about this for hours upon hours. Um, so really appreciate you taking the time to share a little bit about this and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure we'll have you on you know, in the future so that we can unpack more of either that topic or all the other things that we talked about, uh, yeah, you know, that we could cover. Our team loves talking about it, whether it's me or the TL or the OP. Um, 
they've all given me permission. If you, if anybody does have questions around this topic, we, we've kind of got, I mean, we're not perfect at it. We make a mess, but it's kind of been a thing that we've really enjoyed and explored doing in the past couple of years. And so we are happy to answer any questions in any regard as a team separately. Um, we love talking about it. We love at least telling how we did it wrong so that people don't follow in our footsteps for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so happy to help in any way we can. Thank you for tuning in to this month's episode. We hope and trust you learned something today. If you liked what you saw, be sure to like and subscribe so you can stay up to date with all of our latest content.